This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. All these smiling faces. You know, I'm thinking about a pastor I had a conversation with a few months ago. I uh, ran into him in, in a Del Taco after service, and uh, he said, what are you guys doing here tonight? I said, well, we just got out of church. And he said, church? He said, you're one of the last holdouts. He said, nobody has church on Sunday night anymore. And I said, we do. We always get a lot of people, too. They're hungry for the Word of God. Amen. They want a fellowship. They want Jesus. And so, you know, we as pastors have to know that if we prepare a good meal, if the Holy Spirit's there, people want to come and be blessed. So I'm looking out here at all of you, sitting out here, and I'm so grateful you came out on Sunday night because you know the value of the Word. And you want more of Jesus in your lives. And you know, I want to say it again, that we as Christians are like sponges. Whatever we take in is what's going to come out when we're squeezed. And when you come to church on Sunday morning and Sunday night, you get filled up and refilled. You come back Wednesday night filled up and refilled. When the pressures of life come during the week, Christians that are barely hooked up with God, they get squeezed. You don't know what's going to come out. Cussing might come out. Whining might come out. Complaining might come out. Negativity. But when you're with Jesus all the time and God's people for the Word of God, you get squeezed. Hallelujah comes out of your mouth. Praise the Lord comes out of your mouth. Thank you, Jesus comes out of your mouth. And those kind of things. So you're going to get blessed tonight. You're going to get filled. And God's going to change your life forever. Look at your neighbor. Give him the high five. And say, tonight, you're going to be blessed. Amen. You know, I was thinking about my <clears throat> little grandson had a miss. How many know he had a miss? <coughs> we stayed over at their house this afternoon. He had a miss in there playing with his toys and everything and doing things. And he kind of talked to me while I was playing and just et cetera, et cetera. And he said, I love high fives. <laughs> and I was busy. Maybe I should have gave him one. But he just played and said that. I thought, man, everybody. Everybody likes to be encouraged. Everybody likes to be blessed. How many like high fives? Yeah. Amen. That's that's so good. Anyway, tonight I'm going to be talking about the great, the most important parable Jesus ever taught. But I want to show you some things out of the bookstore that I know will help you. This book's by Brother Hagen called Growing Up Spiritually. Growing Up Spiritually. And when I when I was when I was a new Christian back in 1980, somebody somebody had a copy of that book different cover back then, but I started reading that. And I said, I read the whole thing just in one setting because it really helped me. And then after that, of course, I bought my own copy. I still got it, but this, this, this book will help you as Christians know what to do from the Word of God to grow up. You know, God doesn't want you to stay a baby forever. He wants you to grow up mature and start being able to be a Christian that bears fruit. We're going to be talking about things like that in the sermon. But also, I looked at a couple other things, and these are really good. Uh, this one here is by our own Mrs. Pastor. I don't think your name's in this anywhere, but it's on your table, so I know it, you, it, it was good. But it's called God's Word to Guide Me Through Success in Life. And I was looking through that. That's got some good scriptures in there, some good, some good little uh, paragraphs of exhortation about those verses there. But we talked this morning about God. God's a rewarder, and He wants to reward you, and you've got to know that. God wants you blessed. And then here's one of mine back there called Book One on the Word of God, Nuggets of Gold. And Mrs. Pastor put those together over the years, over the last 25 or 30 years of nuggets, when I was preaching things I've said that have jumped off and blessed people. And things like this you need to hear. They're just things that you can look at that will encourage you and help you from the Word of God. <clears throat> Excuse me, but those are all back there, and they'll help you. And so tonight I want you to open up Second Peter chapter 1. We're going to look at verse 12 through 15. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 12 through 15. How many here are kind of fairly new at the Christian faith? A few of you. How many here have been around a long time? How many have been out here in between new and older? Well, good. This is for all of you. For everybody here. And this is Peter come to the end of his life, he was getting older and, and he knew that he was going to be dying someday. 
but talking to the Christians that he influenced at the time, and then the Holy Spirit had these words recorded in the Bible, and they apply today. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 12, says, Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them, and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet, or I think it's right, as long as I'm in this tabernacle, this physical body, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle and say he's going to die, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. And so one of the most important things a spiritual leader can do is to keep teaching basic Bible doctrines. we got to keep teaching you the same thing over and over again. Like I told you about that Brother Hagin book there, I'm still studying my old Brother Hagin books today because they're full of the Word of God saying things in the way that helps me to keep the faith, helps me to walk in victory, helps me not to lose ground but to maintain what I've got and to learn even new things. And so we need to teach you the ABCs of faith over and over again. New believers need to hear these things for the first time. New believers need to hear what it is we already know. And mature believers need to be reminded and refreshed of what you do know. You know, sometimes, you know, somebody asks you, hey, do you remember what I, what I told you last week? And then we got to express sometimes and say, well, no, I slept since then. You know, I slept since last week. No, you got to remind me again. If we have to be reminded of the natural things that man tells us, how much more so things the Holy Spirit tells us? We need to be reminded over and over again. And uh, I know that as, as, as a new Christian back in 1980, God quickly hooked me, hooked me up with Word of Faith people, Brother Hagen, Brother Copeland. I had a Word of Faith pastor and things like that. They taught me the value of the Word. And so something that's always bothered me, and to this day it really bothers me, when a preacher is teaching the Word of God, and he says, well, you know, the Bible says. Well, as a new Christian, when some of these preachers come to the churches I was in and said, you know, the Bible says, I sit there thinking, no, I don't know. Where's it say that? I'd like to know. And so I had to leave there. We didn't have all the resources that we've got now. I really had to dig and pray and God show me where it said it at because they said they said it said it. I need to know it said it. And then as a pastor now, if there's one thing that bothers me about a guest speaker, is when somebody comes into the church, and I know some of you are brand new born-again Christians, you don't even know how to spell Bible yet hardly. And you don't know anything except table of contents. That when a preacher comes in here and quotes a half a dozen things, and, well, you know the Bible says, you all know that story. Well, you know the story of David and Goliath. Well, i got people in the church probably don't know the story of David and Goliath. They'll probably say, well, you all know about Daniel and the lion's den, or Moses part of the Red Sea. And I'm thinking, well, when I was a new Christian, I come from Heathenville. I was 28 and a half years old, and so I looked as old as everybody else did on the outside, but there were Christians in that church at 10 years old knew more about what I did. I didn't know those stories. And so as a, as, as a pastor, I always know that when I'm teaching the Word of God, I don't want to just quote a bunch of verses. I want to do everything I can to turn to those verses. And that's why I always say, I really don't want to behoove you to have your own Bible, to have a pen, have a notebook, have a paper, write it down. That's something you can do today that I couldn't do. Back back when I back when I was a new Christian, cassette tapes were just coming in. They went from eight tracks to cassettes. And back then, cassette tapes cost a dollar a piece. But to be honest with you, sometimes I didn't have a dollar to buy one. And so I wanted one, but I couldn't buy it. But I wanted it because I had a choice between buying a cassette tape or a gallon of gas so I'd get to work. And so I chose gas over tapes because I had to get to work, etc., and so today, I said that to say this, with the internet, we have the free podcast of nearly everything we preach and teach. All you have to do is go to hdwc.org. You pull off what we teach. I know a lot, a lot of churches, even today, they don't do that. They have you buy the tapes or buy the CDs. We can do CDs and stuff like that too now, but I'd rather have it for free. I'd rather have you be able to go to it easy. So I just want to say this, as I'm teaching tonight what I'm teaching, you don't have to just eat here. You can get a sheepy bag and take it home. You know, when we used, they used to call them doggy bags. Now they call it carryouts. So the restaurant there, if you don't eat it all, you can carry it out. Well, here, you can get a sheepy bag. Just go home and put your iPhone or get on your computer or whatever you do. And go to and hear it all over again. Because like Peter said, 
He said, I know I've told you this before. I want to stir you up. He said, I want to remind you again. You've got to know. And just like Mrs. Pastor challenged you a while ago about some Bible verses. You need to start knowing these verses. You need to know where they are, chapter, verse, be able to pull them out. And two reasons for that. Number one, if you start to learn the Bible well enough that if somebody gives you a Bible, if you're in a hotel room sometimes and they got the Bibles in, you don't have you don't have your Bible up the room, you left it in the car or something, you say, man, I've got to get some word tonight. I want to go read about some healing things. And you'll be able to start going through that Bible in the hotel room, pull out of healing scriptures. Or sometimes, I know, you know, there's different denominations that don't know about healing. They teach salvation, but they don't know about healing. Well, if you're sitting down with your uh, cousin or your friend from the so-and-so church that, you know, they're Christian people, they're going to heaven, they're good Christians, they have need of healing, you can say, uh, pull out your Bible a minute, you're at the house, and so they go get their Bible. It might be a Baptist Bible or a Catholic Bible, a Methodist Bible, or some other kind of Bible, but it's a King James Bible or whatever it is. You say, well, look at this right here in Mark 16, because you know where it's at. And you go to verse 17. They say, these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall lay hands on sick. They shall recover. It's in the Bible. You show them. And when they sit in their Bible, it's not just you talking. They think, well, that's well, that's just what your pastor says. I don't know if I trust your pastor or not. But do they trust their Baptist Bible? Do they trust their Methodist Bible? Do they trust their Catholic Bible? So if you know them chapter and verse, it's not just for you. It's to help other people. You understand what I'm saying? I think I, 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 I think about calling my son-in-law in the front row like this. I'll never be the cook he is because I don't want to learn the recipes he knows. This guy is an awesome cook and everything I've seen so far, it is awesome. But if I wanted to take the time to look up the recipes he has, if he has them written down, then I could cook like he cooks, but I'm not going to do that. But you can know the Word of God like I know the Word of God because you have a Bible. You can write the verses down. You can look them up. And you can tell people what I'm telling you because you have the same kind of Bible. Amen. And so I'm just saying, I want to stir you up to know the Word of God. And now for the most important parable Jesus ever taught, I want you to turn to Mark chapter 4. And I'll tell you, this parable, this parable is so important, it's also listed. Jesus teaches about it in Matthew chapter 13. And he also, uh, it's recorded in Luke chapter 8. So three different, three out of the four Gospels, now listen to this, three out of the four Gospels have this teaching in detail. And so I've learned this about God. When God tells you the same thing over and over and over and over again, you know what God said? This is important. You need to learn this. You need to get this. And so Mark chapter 4 is really the one I like the best. Also, I like it in Luke chapter 8. It says a little different, but I want you to look at this. Mark chapter 4, verse 9, says this. And he said to them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Let him hear. And so what that says to me is this. Jesus is not talking about physical ears. Because I'm sure that everybody sitting there wasn't missing an ear, didn't have any ears. But he's talking about spiritual ears. We have a spirit man, and when we die someday, our physical body is going to be laying there, but all it's going to be is an empty shell. All it's going to be is an earth suit. Just like the astronauts that go up, they, when they go up in the outer space, they can't live in outer space without an earth suit on. Because they got to, they got to have oxygen supplied from somewhere else. They got to have something somewhere else. Well, our body is our earth suit. We come out of our earth suit it falls over because our spirit is the real us. Our spirit cannot exist on earth without an earth suit. We, we can't. We, come, we leave this earth suit. We leave. We're gone. We didn't cease to exist. We just live somewhere else now. And so we've got to have our earth suit. And so Jesus is talking to the man or the woman inside of the earth suit. He said, listen to this with your spiritual ears. In other words, listen with your heart. Don't let your head cheat you out of what I'm about to say. Your head will, uh, thoughts will come in, and all of a sudden, some of you right now might be thinking about the problems this week on the job. You might already be thinking about what happened on the job yesterday. You might be thinking about money, that something's coming due. You might be thinking about a, a meeting you have with somebody. It's not going to be a pleasant meeting. How are you going to handle it? What are they going to say? What are you going to say? 
if they say this, how are you going to respond? What are you going to do when you get home if this happens? Well, Jesus said, lay your worries down. Tell your head to shut up. And then say, I'm going to listen to this in my heart, Jesus. Thank you for speaking to my heart. See, that's what he's saying. He says, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. You've got to choose. You've got to listen with your heart. And then I want to look at a couple of verses before I get into this. Why, why I say this is the most important parable Jesus ever taught. Look at verse 11. And he said unto them, it is given unto you, it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. The mystery are the hidden truths of the kingdom of God. And I want to say this, what that means. How many have ever heard the religious expression, not the biblical expression, because it's not in the Bible, that God moves in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform. Well, they're a mystery to the world. But if you're a born-again Christian, what God's going to do should not be a mystery. I had a girl come up here in the prayer line this morning in very serious pain. She had kidney stones that needed to be dissolved, and her husband was holding her up. She couldn't hardly move. She, the girl was crying to come through the prayer line this morning. But I know Jesus told me there's anointing in my hands. He told me, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And then I also know that sometimes the Lord used me from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 in the gifts of healings for special anointing for sick people. So when that girl come up there, I told her husband, I said, lay your hands on your wife's where the stuff is because as a man, I don't think it's right even for a preacher to lay hands on a woman's body. And so he laid his hands on his wife. I laid my hands on his hands. I took authority over that. And I sensed the anointing of God flowing through me. I saw that girl's grimace turning into an okay face to where I saw peace coming through her. And when I sensed the anointing was done, I said, let me ask you a question. Just tell me the truth. Is the pain leaving your body? And she said, yes. And I said, I sensed the anointing. I said, I wouldn't tell you that if I didn't. I said, I sensed the power of God coming into your body. I said, is the pain going? She said, yes. And that was not a mystery. I know the Word of God. The Word of God tells me what God will do if I do what He told me to do. And that wasn't a mystery to me. They didn't have to believe her and say, Well, I'll tell you what, we was really lucky today. Had nothing to do with luck. It didn't just happen. It wasn't a hit and miss thing. I knew what God will do because He said it's given to me to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. I know how God works. What God says in his word he'll do, he'll do. When God tells me my part to do, and I do my part, then God does his part. Amen. And so for Mark 16 to work, you need, you need three people involved. Number one, you need a sick person. He said lay hands on the sick. Number two, you need a believer. And then number three, you need God. So when a believer lays hands on the sick, God heals them. Amen. Is that a mystery? It's not a mystery. Amen. So that's what I talk about the greatest parable Jesus ever taught us. He's telling us how that works right here. And then I want you to look at verse 13. This, this is so, so plain and so easy. You'd have to have a religious teacher teach you why this doesn't work if you believe it wouldn't work. But you get a Bible teacher in order of God to teach you, then you understand it. But religion turns you the other way and tells you why you can't have it. Jesus said this unto them. Know you not this parable? And how then will you know all parables? Let me tell you in modern English what that's saying. Jesus is saying about this parable we're getting ready to teach right here, that if you understand this, you'll understand everything in the kingdom of God, how it works. He said, if you don't understand this, you're not going to get it. You've got to understand this parable. And I want to tell you again what a parable is. A parable is a natural illustration help you understand a spiritual truth. There's things in the Bible that are spiritual, but God gives us natural lessons so we'll understand how it works. For example, how many know that Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 4, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Well, immediately he was talking to fishermen, but all of us know enough about life, I think, about how things work. How do you, what, what do you do if you're fishing? You're out to catching something. And how do you catch it? Well, you have bait, and you go for it. And so Jesus said, follow me, I'll show you how to catch people for the glory of God. And so 
we go fishing every day. Every day we're out there. I talk, I'm talking about Christians that are serious. Every day we're out there and we're thinking, what can I do today to talk to somebody? And I know that when I was a truck driver, I was around a lot of different centers and people out there. I all the time was doing what Paul talked about First Corinthians chapter 9. Paul said, I become all things to all men so I might win some. And I know that the, the modern translations say, I try to find common ground so I can find a way to talk to them. And so I know that when I was a truck driver, if I was around factory workers, and they wanted to talk baseball or football, which I know very little about sports, I'd sit there and listen for a while. I might know the name Johnny Unionis or Joe Namath or one of the great football players. Well, that was back then. I guess those guys aren't now. There's somebody else now. But anyway, like that, so I'd say, oh, yeah, Joe, man, I like him. He's good. Or Johnny Bench, you know, playing for the Cincinnati Reds. Oh, man, he's an awesome catcher. I'd sit there long enough talking whatever they were talking about till finally when the opening came that I'd talk about Jesus. Or if somebody else out there talking about whatever they were talking about, about politics. I'd sit there, I'd listen to politics, and, you know, if I'd get goofy, I'd get involved a little bit in the political discussion just to find the place to work it in about Jesus. And so that parable he taught us, he told us what to do. And, you know, when I was a boy, my grandpa was a, we went fishing all the time. He was a bass fisherman. And you fished for bass different than you did bluegills or catfish. Catfish, you fish on the bottom. You use chicken liver or water night crawlers or something else for catfish as you catch those fish. Well, bass, you can't let them see your shadow. Grandpa always taught me, man, you you got to have the sun in front of you because your shadow goes across the water and the bass run. And so you got to be, and you got to have live bait that jumps across the water or something for bass. And then bluegills, you have a bobber. You dangle, 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 dangle a little red worm down, you know, a little bit out of the water with a bobber for bluegills. You fish different ways. And so you've got to know, if you're a snow winner, what kind of bait to use for the ones you're talking to. And so that's what you do. But anyway, that was a parable. So Jesus has a parable right here. And Jesus said, this is the parable of all parables. He said, if you understand this, so you'll understand the mysteries of the kingdom of God, how things work. And you'll never bid, you'll never again wonder about how this is going to work. And last year when I went through what I went through with all that cancer and heart attack, stuff like that, I was never ever fear or doubt about what was going on. I knew exactly what was going on in the spiritual realm. I knew my part. I knew God's part. I knew how things were going to turn out because I knew what to do because I understand the mystery of the kingdom of God. Amen. Have I got your attention yet? Amen. And so I want to go through this and look at some things and I'll just I'll just do as much as the Lord has been doing tonight, but I want to start off with in verse 3. He says, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow, and that means somebody to plant seed. You can either think of a farmer of big fields planting lots of seed, or you can think about you putting your seed in your flower pot, or if you've got a little garden spot, or something you do. In other words, you're planting seed in the ground. And everybody here knows about seeds. Seeds that are not in the ground, don't grow. You know, you can have a seed packet. We've had seed packets we bought at the store before, and we left them laying there on our cabinet or on our shelf or in a drawer for years. But then you take the seed out of the packet, you put it in the ground, you put water on it, sun comes. What does the seed start doing? It starts growing. How many know that the Word of God could be on the pages of your Bible for years and do nothing? You gotta open the Bible, you gotta open the seed packet. You gotta get it off the pages, you gotta get it planted. And then, the Bible we're gonna see in this parable calls your heart God's soil. And the New Testament, many places, refills first our heart as God's soil. And so, verse 4, and it came to pass as he sowed, as he planted, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. That simply means this. Has anybody ever been to Walmart or somewhere and bought bird seed? What's bird seed for? You feed birds. Well, you know what I found about bird seed back in Indiana? We had this planter. We had, we had a great big, huge dining room window looked out. We had, we had, what we had there, two and a half acres or something? Two and a half acres. We had woods. We had nice grass, hills, and all kinds of stuff where we lived at. Well, we had this great big window, and we had an apple orchard behind it. I like to look at the window and watch the orchard. And so we liked birds. And so I had this bird feeder out there, and I put birds, I kept it filled all the time. You know, they'd come pecking and eat out of there. The seed would fall on the ground. Well, the birds ate the seed, 
But a lot of times, that seed that went in the ground that they missed because they had much seed they could eat, that seed would start growing. I start growing flowers, sunflowers, and stuff out of the ground because that seed wasn't just something for the birds to eat. That really grew when it hit the dirt. It really grew. And so get a hold of this. Jesus gave us a natural illustration to get across the spiritual truth. He said a farmer went out to plant. And when he planted, he said some had fell on the ground and the birds ate it. Let me ask you this. If you're planting things in the ground and the birds eat it, will that ever grow? How can it grow? That just become bird poop, you know. Just being real plain about it, when birds eat seed, it does nothing to help you. It helps them. And so that seed does not grow because the birds eat it. And Jesus is telling us a natural illustration. Understand the spiritual truth. As some fell on stony ground, where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. Has anybody ever seen that in the desert, how this stuff grows really quick? You know, especially in the early springtime, you all of a sudden the desert covered these pretty flowers everywhere out there if we had rain. So if we had rain, you got these everywhere. Well, back somewhere else in the country where it's not this hot and you get more rain, when those flowers grow, they last a lot longer. Out here when the sun comes out, they're gone. So we see that picture. And then he says, says verse 7, And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. And so get a picture of this kind. And I always see the same thing. I always see my loving, young, beautiful wife and her great aspirations would be to be a great farmer. At our two and a half acres. That window we looked at. We looked out of all the time. Well, we first bought that place. I was a truck driver. I didn't have a lot of time at home because I was out there. When I came home, I, I was home every night. But after driving an hour up to Indianapolis and an hour back to Indianapolis, driving a truck all day long, I come home at nighttime. I didn't want to work in a garden. Last thing I wanted to do. But my wife, she wanted me to work in a garden. So there's this guy named Tracy. And Tracy had a big tractor. And Tracy was really a nice guy. He'd drive up our road. And he just, because he's such a nice guy, he'd ask people, hey, you want me to plow up your ground for you? So I was working every year when Tracy come past, yeah, I'll plow up the ground. We want a garden. So he'd plow up the ground. And she's a good project starter. So she plant lots of good stuff in the ground. And then she say, take care of it. This happened every year until she finally got the picture. I wasn't going to take care of it. So every year, you remember those gardens, Josh? Big tomato plants would grow up. Cucumbers would grow up. Peppers would grow up. Everything else would grow up. But you know what grew up bigger? Weeds. And so we'd get a few tomatoes out of it. And every once in a while, she'd go out there and she'd get all sweaty with all the kids she was hauling around because we had lots of kids. She would pull weeds she could pull. Then everyone would give me to pull weeds I could pull. And then finally about July, when we got tired of looking at the weeds, with the stuff growing in the middle of the weeds, I had a really, really, really good craftsman lawnmower. It was a really, really good craftsman lawnmower. It was the old one. One of the new ones. This wasn't a toy. This was the real thing, man. I had the two-speed transmission, Dave, just like the trucks have. But I can do that because they have three powerful gears there. Or I can shift that lever and then have the fast gears. And so finally, after a while, usually about July, she'd let me do it. I'd get the craftsman out there. I'd just go through there and mow it all down. We got rid of the reeds and everything, weeds and everything. Didn't have that anymore. You know why? The thorns, because we didn't take care of the garden, the thorns choked out the fruit. So you get that picture of what Jesus is talking about. He said, these things grow, but then the thorns come in and it becomes unfruitful. So we're getting the picture of what Jesus is saying. And this is coming down to your Christian life of what Jesus is telling us here. And then verse 8, another fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth 30, 60, and some 100. And he said to them, he that ears to hear, let him hear. And so <clears throat> right down the road from me was my dad that was retired. At that point in time, my dad was in his early 60s. He was retired, and my dad was a serious uh, amateur gardener. My dad had a guy up the road that had horses, and my dad go up to get horse manure because that's good for gardens. My, my dad bought a really big fancy rotor tiller. My dad would work his ground, 
he let the rows real wide so when the weeds started growing, he'd go up through with the rotor tiller, took care of the weeding. He kept that ground worked. He watered it every day. He took care of it really good. And my dad got 30, 60, 100-fold tomatoes and peppers and cucumbers and green beans. My dad had a really good garden because my dad decided to be a master farmer. He did really good. So you get the picture. Got this guy here that's a good Christian man. Got a beautiful Christian wife that loves Jesus, and their garden was nothing. Got this guy down here. He worked his garden. His garden bear a lot of fruit. And think about Christianity now as we go up this parable here when Jesus gives interpretation. We're going to see why some Christians bear a lot of fruit for Jesus and why some Christians are like the rabbit in the hare. They go fast, but they stop to play and they never go anywhere. And you got the tortoise. It just keeps on walking, keeps on walking, keeps on walking. And the tortoise finishes the race. Amen. And so remember this. It's not so much how you start the counts, but it's how you finish. And so wherever you are, you can improve. And so anyway, it says when he's alone, uh, verse 10, they that were about him with the twelve asked of him the parable. And then he told us, give you know the mystery of the kingdom of God. And then I want you to get down this to verse 14. He's interpreting the parable. Remember it said, a sower went out to sow. He said, the sower soweth the word. And I want to do so with you to let you see this. Every parable has a main spiritual truth that you need to see. And so I want to go through these next few verses and do something before I expound them so you get the picture of what Jesus is saying. As you look at your Bibles, the screen won't be able to keep up with it, but you've got to look at your Bibles to see this. I want you to notice verse 14. The sower soweth what? The Word. And then it says, verse 15, that these are they by the wayside where what? The Word. And I circled the Word. And in verse 14, I circled the phrase, the Word, where the Word is sown. But where they have heard, Satan cometh immediately, take the way, the Word. So are you getting a picture of what Jesus is talking about, the value of the Word? Satan comes to take the Word that was sown, and these are they likewise sown and sown to the ground. They have heard, the Word. Jesus is the one doing the talking here. And we all say we love Jesus. We're saying, oh, how I love Jesus. we say, Jesus, I'll do anything, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Well, Jesus is telling you right here. He said, I'm telling you, if you'll listen with your ears, how you can understand how my kingdom works. And so he says then, they, 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 they hear the Word, immediately receive it with gladness. Verse 17, and then they have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time afterward when affliction or persecution arises for what? The word's sake, immediately they are offended. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear what? The word. And the cares of this world, and the deceitful riches, and the lust of other things are in choke. The word. And it becomes unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as here, the word, and receive it, and receive it and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundredfold. And so sometimes when I teach this, I like to call this the value of the word. Jesus said, here's the mystery of the kingdom of God. He said, if you understand the value of the word, then you understand how the kingdom of God works. Also, it's the law of sowing and reaping. When the word is sown in your heart and you do what he says to do, you'll reap what the word says you can have. You can have the fruit of the word of God. Now, listen to this. I'm just going to briefly explain as I go down through these so you'll understand. And so we get down to verse 14. The sower soweth the word. And so right now, I am the sower. I'm planting the Word of God in your hearts. Some of you already have the Word of God planted in your hearts, so I'm watering the words in your hearts. It's there, so as I'm sharing teaching on this, that Word you have is being watered so it can grow up and bear fruit in your lives. You have to understand that. And so he tells us how spiritual things work. How many understand that in the, in the spiritual arena, we do have God in the spiritual arena? You're a spirit person. 
The Holy Spirit is a person. Jesus is a person. There's angels in the spiritual arena. If that's all there was, we'd have it made. We wouldn't even have to have faith to do anything. But, John 10.10, Jesus said the thief come to steal, kill, destroy. In the spiritual arena, there's demon spirits. The devil's in the spiritual arena. And so because of that, we have to do spiritual warfare. If we don't understand spiritual warfare, as Jesus explains it here, then we're never going to go very far in life. I want to say that again. If we don't understand spiritual warfare, as Jesus understands it here, we're never going to go very far in life. I can give you an example. I think about different kinds of politicians we've had the last several years in America. Sometimes we get politicians to lead our nation, presidents, congress, senators, stuff like that. They say, just ignore the enemy and treat them nice and they'll go away. But we found out with these enemies we have in the world today, you treat them nice, they hit you harder. You ignore them and they do that much more damage to you. Then we get the other one to say, we've got a real enemy and we're going to go after him. And when we go after the enemy, then the enemy can't hurt us anymore. Jesus said in John 10.10, you have an enemy. He's called the devil. In Ephesians chapter 6, said we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the devil. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, he tells us that Satan, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. I can quote you a dozen scriptures. Anyway, we have an enemy in the arena, in the spiritual arena. I'm going to show you through the lips of Jesus what his target is. You think his target's you. You're not really his target. You're collateral damage. Verse 15, And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. Satan, when they've heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. Okay. Said, some seed, he said, fell on the ground and the birds devoured it up. That means right now, as you're sitting in this church tonight, you're going to hear things from the Word of God that will give you faith to get your family back together. We'll give you faith to pay your bills this week. We'll give you faith to receive healing for your sick child. We'll give you faith to be able to pray and know God's going to answer you. But Jesus said, with this word sown, Satan comes immediately. Let me tell you one thing he uses. And I already prayed that I'd be nice, so I know I'm going to be nice. If you sit in services like this and you don't write scriptures down, guess what? When you leave here, you're going to forget what you heard. You know what? I'll bet you, and I know this by experience, I could ask you how many were in the service this morning and a lot of your hands would go up. Then I'd say, could somebody tell me what I taught on this morning? And chances are a lot of you forgot what I taught this morning already. And if I said, can you tell me what the main verse is I've used the last two Sunday mornings? And you're not going to be able to tell me what I used the last two Sunday mornings, but you were here. You know why? Satan cometh immediately to steal the word that was sown. Taught some pretty good stuff. But if you can't even remember from one week to the next, guess what? Jesus told the truth. He said, if you don't understand this, you won't understand anything. And so, for me, that's why I'm going through old Brother Hagin books again right now and reading them again. I read these books 40 years ago, read them 35 years ago. The book I've been studying, I actually have notes in from when the year Pastor David was born. I'm looking at those like, wow, that's we were in Noblesville. David was just born, and I got notes. But I also have notes in there from when I was a baby pastor. I also have notes in there since I've been at this church in California. I read these books. I put notes in them and dates when I'm reading them. I stay refreshed on what I'm reading. Why is that? I'm not, I'm not just teaching something to you that's a good sermon. I'm teaching something to you that I've learned by experience. It works and I live by it. I've got notes from a Dr. Barclay conference I went to a couple months ago. I've been going over Dr. Barclay nuggets he taught me two months ago. I've got notes in my Bible that Dr. Barclay taught at our church over the years. I see those things. Peter said, I'm going to stir you again and remind you of what was taught to you. Why is that? Because this is the spiritual truth. Jesus said Satan couldn't steal it. 
What's he come to steal? He comes to steal the word. If he steals the word, he steals your faith. If he steals your faith, you don't get prayers answered much. If he steals your faith, you get depressed, you get discouraged, you start getting negative in life again. So we've got to get a hold of this. Jesus said, understand this. And so then I look at this next thing he says. And these in verse 16, and these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness. How many of you have ever seen Christians, you know, uh, back when I was back when I was a teacher's truck driver, we had this phrase for people on probation that's got a new job, and some of them we called 30-day wonders. For 30 days, they were the best worker of the whole job. For 30 days, they got there early. They worked through their breaks. They worked gung-ho every time that the boss gave them. They said, I love work, I love work, man. I'll eat it up. Give me the hardest job you got. I'll go for it. They'd do everything they could. They'd stay overtime. Day 31, what happened to them? They're an official employee now. They're They're not on probation anymore. Up to day 30, the boss could say, like President Trump used to say, you're fired. But on day 31, all of a sudden, they lost that zeal. They didn't get there early now. They stayed overtime on their breaks. They took double time on their lunches. They got the job done. The guys that on the job that really were good workers, they worked and they'd been there 30 years of the job. You always count them. They were like a Robert on his job over there. They worked because they were there because they knew what they were supposed to do. This says right here that some of these Christians, like these ones on stony ground, said they received the word of joy. The first time they hear it, they come in here, Woo! God wants to bless me. God wants me healed. God wants me to have more than enough money. God wants my bills paid. God wants my family serving God. Woo! But then look at this next part of the verse there. It says then, immediately receive a gladness and have no root, have no root in themselves and so endure but for a time. So endure but for a time. Uh, Sidney's been at the church a long time. Robert's been at the church a long time. Susan has. Have you guys ever seen any 30-day wonders in this church? Any excited people that, oh, man, we know those people bad. They're going to hook up. They're going to, oh, boy, they're going to go somewhere. But all of a sudden you say, well, where's so-and-so? We haven't seen him lately. They wanted to testify every time I walked in the door. I said, Pastor, can I testify? Well, all of a sudden, where are they? Dave, you've been here long enough. You see these 30-day wonders. Man, they come in, man, think, man, these guys are on fire. But it says, they've heard the word, but they're like the stony ground. said they have no root in themselves. Well, he told us about the stony ground. said they... As soon as the sun comes out, they're scorched. They wither away. Well, he tells us in the spiritual arena what that is. They endure for a time, but afterward, now look at this, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake. Immediately they are offended, and they're out of here. And so let me tell you what that affliction means. There's a couple different things here you need to see. Well, number one, Offended means shut down, moved off course, discouraged. In other words, when they're offended, they quit. When they're quitted, offended, they stop. But you notice it says that the offense comes from Satan, not because he hates them, but he hates the word. Amen. Amen. I'm looking at you two, what God's doing in your lives. I mean, I see big things in your life there. You're getting the word in your lives in a really serious way, like maybe you've never had it before. And the whole thing is, Satan doesn't hate you as much as he hates the words you're getting. And you know, I, I, I look at you, Frank. I look at you, Maxine. I look at a lot of you sitting in the church. Look at you, Elizabeth. I'm, I'm just looking at these faces, Sabrina. I'm looking at these families out here, and I know the victories you have it's because God's Word got in your heart, getting in your mouths, getting in your thinking, and it's starting to bear fruit. And so you're at critical times in your life for your root system to get deep. He said they get offended 
And when they get offended, they quit. They stop. What do they do? They quit on God? Not necessarily quit on God, but they quit coming to church because affliction. Well, listen to this. Afflictions are hard times. They're not necessarily do with people things. Persecutions from people. Afflictions just from the devil. All of, a, all of a sudden, for no reason. Has this ever happened to anybody besides me? Man, I leave this church. I'm on cloud nine. I'm all pumped up. I'm all excited. I'm the pastor. I get up on Monday morning, and all of a sudden, there's dark cloud on my head. Depression tries to come in for no reason. Why, 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 what, what's going on? Why is this thing on me? What's going on? And all of a sudden, for no reason, worry tries to hit me about my family. Worry tries to hit me about next week. I start thinking about the car, what I got to do to get the car going. I start thinking about something about the church that's going to be coming in the future. Just all of a sudden, things start hitting on me like that. Try to steal the word out of me. And I think, well, wait a minute. What did I just teach this congregation yesterday? And then all of a sudden I realize, wait a minute, this is coming for the word's sake. Satan knows this word that's in my heart and in my thinking is full of faith in me. And the faith I've got for this word, if I hold on to this word, I'll keep my faith. Jesus said, understand this parable, you'll understand the mystery of the kingdom of God, how it works. Christians have great faith because they get serious about the word. Christians lose their faith because they let Satan steal the word. That's exactly what happens. Then he said persecution. Persecution, all of a sudden, you show up at your job and somebody wants to bully you. Somebody wants to tease you. They make fun of you in front of other people like that and you're thinking, why are they doing that? Why are they doing that? What's the devil persecuting you? It says for the word's sake so you'll get offended. Moved off course. You'll get discouraged. And instead of quitting the job, you quit coming to church. Have you ever noticed that whenever the pressure comes, you don't quit doing the other things? Church is what you quit doing? Well, Satan says, they didn't get it yet. Jesus told them, they understand this mystery. They'll understand how the kingdom of God works. They'll understand it. They won't understand anything. And he said, he said, because they have no root within themselves. And so I'll tell you how you develop a root system. And this is not something I'm going to teach tonight, because we teach on it plenty. I'm sure you can pull it off the internet and just go by the titles. But in Psalms chapter 1, Mrs. Pastor mentioned it the other night. It talks about you don't hang out with the wrong kind of people. But in verse 2, Psalms 1 verse 2 says you meditate in the word day and night. And then he says you become like a tree. Planted by rivers of water. You bring forth your fruit in due season. And so what that means is this. To meditate in the Word of God, you open the Bible, you read it out loud. The word meditate doesn't mean just to think. It means you ponder and you think about it and you speak it out loud. You recite the Word of God. You start reading the Bible out loud, especially verses that are meaning something to you. You read those out loud and that means you're meditating the Word of God. How does faith come? By hearing. What are you doing if you're reading it out loud? You're hearing the Word of God. You're causing your faith to be stirred. And then Psalms 1 says, you'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Has anybody ever drove out, drove, driven out Old Highway 66 heading back way to Victorville where the Mojave River crosses through down there? Have you ever noticed that you don't have to guess where the river is? Because all those trees there are big and they're giants around there. You know why? They've developed a root system. It's dry. And because it's so dry, those roots have went down deep to find the water in that river. And they've grown up big. I was telling somebody the other day, they're trying to understand some spiritual things. I said, I'll tell you what, you grow more in those dry seasons than you ever do at any other time. Because when it's dry and you don't feel anything... You don't feel anointed. You don't feel the presence of God. You're meditating the Word of God. You know what you're doing? By faith, your spiritual roots are digging down trying to get a hold of something. You know that by faith, I know God's real. In your prayer closet, if you're like me, in your prayer closet, sometimes say, well, Jesus, I know you're real. I'm not feeling anything right now, Lord, but I know you're here because you said you'd never leave me nor forsake me. 
And Lord, I know that you told me that faith comes by hearing your word. So Lord, right now, I know that healing is what I'm believing you for. And so Lord, I'm going to go through the Bible. I'm going to read all the healing verses I know out loud. And so I started Exodus chapter 15, verse 26. And then I start working my way all the way up in, usually at 1 Peter 2, 24. I'm reading them out loud. What am I doing? I am working on my root system. And then when Satan comes trying to get me discouraged, offended, shut down, moved off course, I've got a root system. I'm not a 30-day wonder anymore. Right now I'm a 40-day wonder. People still wondering about me because people in the Samples family don't live like I do usually. But I live different than most of them, and so I still make them wonder. I'm called a sign and a wonder. How many of you have your family members wondered about you? Other people wondered about you. How long are they going to stick with this religious fad? Keep them wondering. Hey, man. So, so anyway, uh, you develop that root system, but the main thing is you're seeing is that the Word is what's bearing the fruit in your life, as Satan's after the Word. You think he's after you, but he's after the Word. He wants to get the Word because he gets the Word. He's got you. And then you notice then, verse 18, And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as, hear the word. (coughs) And the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things that are in the end, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Well, get this. This is a different category. How could something become unfruitful if it wasn't fruitful? You know, I've got some pistachio trees right now that are very fruitful. I've got some right now that have no fruit on them. They can't become unfruitful because they haven't borne fruit yet. I've got some more mature trees that are fruitful because they've got fruit on them. They've lived a while. They've got fruit. Some of my trees are no fruit, so I don't call them unfruitful. They're no fruitful. Some Christians, when they're starting off, they're not really bearing any fruit yet. Because they don't know anything yet. So what he's talking to here is Christians that have some level of maturity. They're bearing fruit. And so what does Jesus say the devil does to stop them from bearing fruit? Just stop thinking about our church. In our church, we have a lot of bearing Christians. Sometimes in our church, we see some Christians, they decide to go back to the world. They decide to go a different direction. Well, there's a difference between them and a baby Christian that bears no fruit yet. The baby Christian doesn't know what to do yet. So this doesn't apply to them. They were the category, Satan comes to steal the word, etc. But they're the ones that got the word planted in their heart. They're working in the nursery. They're wanting to teach children's classes. They're wanting to sing. They're wanting to serve. They're wanting to usher. They tithe. They give. In other words, they are bearing Christian fruit. And so to become unfruitful, let's look at what happens because most of you are in this category where you're mature enough that you're bearing fruit, it says the cares of this world. They get all worried about family things. Cares means anxieties and worries. They get so caught up and worried, like, for example, on Sunday. Do you know, now listen to this, I'm talking about you mature grandma and grandpa Christians especially. Do you know that there's seven days in the week? And do you know that your family has the same seven days you have? Well, how come is it the only time they have a crisis on Sunday morning and they think you're the only one can help them? Think about that. You need to get to the place where the cares of this world through these other people don't snatch you out of where God wants you on Sunday morning. You need to be able to tell them, guys... I'm available Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Sunday morning is the one morning I go to do what God has me do on Sunday morning. Now, if you guys want to use me some other time, let me tell you, let me tell you what happened. You get a hold of this revelation where you tell these people, hey, you know what? The Word of God is the most important thing in my life. I've got to be where the Word of God's at. And then sometimes God used me to actually serve. So other people hear the Word of God. And so I understand the mystery of the kingdom of God. The devil's trying to use cares of this life to get me up underneath the word. 
I'm doing better preaching than you are shouting. I'm telling you what Jesus said the devil does so that Christians that are bearing fruit will quit bearing fruit. He said this is the most important parable he's got. He said the deceitfulness of riches. The deceitfulness of riches. He did not say that riches were wrong. He said the deceitfulness of riches. And you know, I know that... uh, I made a statement this morning, people in transition, transitional changes, there's some times in your life you have to do things for a season, but they're not your lifestyle. There's been times when I was a truck driver, I had to work on Sunday. I never liked it, but I knew this is short term. I can do this for a while because <clears throat> I have to do this for a while. It's my job. I have to take care of it. And there's times I had to do things for a season, but I, I remember one time, and so uh, I was able to come Sunday night, but I couldn't come Sunday night. Like Doug, you know, I'd come Sunday night. So, man, I was in there every Sunday night. And I could come Wednesday nights for the job I had. I could do that. I had to do different things, but I knew this is just something I have to do for a while. But when you make the choice that, you know what, I can get double time every Sunday, so I'm going to start working seven days a week for the next six months. Well, the deceitful of riches is going to cause you to head the other direction, and you're going to become unfruitful because you put... You put the love of money above love of the Word. And Jesus told us, said Christians that become fruitful, Satan's going to find out, what can I do to steal this Word from their life? I want to steal this Word from their life because I steal this Word from their life. I will cause them not to bear fruit that Jesus wants them to bear. I'm doing better preaching than you are shouting. And so he said, and also... The lust of other things therein in choke the word. And, you know, I've said this so many times. My family, lots of my family, they enjoy sports and all, all the different fun things of life. But when it becomes, when Disney becomes your God every Sunday, or some other thing becomes your God every Sunday, the football game, the basketball game, and all these different things like that. I mean, I, I know that sometimes our church has Super Bowl parties before and stuff like that. We've done those kind of things in church. That's an occasional thing we do for some good fun and fellowship. But if every Sunday, I had, I had a guy back in Indiana, he, he became my head usher, and he, he, what, it, what he told me, I'm getting ready to tell you a story on him, he changed it when he got filled with the Holy Ghost, started loving the Word of God. He came to my church, and he said, I want to tell you something, Pastor Samples, I like what you're preaching, but said, I use seasons coming, you won't see me now for the next few months. <clears throat> Indiana University was right by our church, and they had a basketball team. He said, I use get ready to start playing, you won't see me. Well, what long after that, he got bored again. Then he got filled with the Holy Ghost. I don't know if you ever watched another IU game again or not. But there's other Christians that when football season comes, you won't see me till this is over. And they mean it. And I don't see them. But you know what else? I see their families get shipwrecked. I see financial crisis hit. They don't have the answer. They don't know what to do because the lust of other things that are in the end choke the word of their life. And Jesus told us these things. Amen. Most important parable. So anyway, and then he says the good ground are such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit. Some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. And what he's saying there is James 1.22. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving your own selves. And so don't let Satan... Pull the magic act on you about life. Has anybody ever watched a magic show where you got it up there? And I caught on to this a few years ago, how this works. Have you ever noticed they don't have an ugly fat man up there opening the boxes and moving the curtains? What is it usually? It's usually some girl in a bathing suit showing a lot of skin. And you're watching up there. That guy's telling you all this stuff. and He's got that girl up here, two or three of them dancing around. You're watching the girl. And this guy's doing over here. They say, how did he do that? Because you wasn't watching him. You was watching over here. Well, this is what goes on in the spiritual arena. Satan hits you with stupid stuff. And you get mad about the stupid stuff. And you don't realize what he's doing. He's getting you mad or messed up. So you start missing out on the word of God in your life. And then you wake up in the middle of next year. Backslid again. Wonder what happened. And if you don't understand spiritual things, you'll never figure out. You got underneath the word of God. You walked away from the Word of God. You walked away from the Word of God. You walked away from your victory. And so this time, wake up. Be smart enough to recognize 
If you see things, start to steal the word for your life. Say, wait a minute, devil. I'm going to go back and read Mark chapter 4 again. I see what you've done, devil. Affliction, persecutions, these things. You tried to suck me away from the word of God and get me so busy. I walked away. I'm not falling for it this time. I'm sticking with God's word. That's where the victory comes from. I'm going to hear it. I'm going to talk it. I'm going to do it. And Jesus said, I'll bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.